Hello again, and welcome to the Yoga Coach Podcast, dedicated to educating, guiding, and inspiring individuals who truly care to cultivate optimal wellness, create union of body, mind, and spirit through yoga for a sustainable, happy, and a healthy lifestyle. I'm Tamara Page, and with me today is Reverend Carl Jackson who is a fascinating student and friend of mine. He has a background in counseling and ministry with a master's degree and previous director and clinical counselor at substance abuse treatment programs. So today, we're gonna be talking about stretching our bodies, mind, and spirit. So I wanna thank you so much for joining us today, Carl. Uh, more than happy to be here. The fact being in your presence for our stretch groups, when I, it's always a pleasure. So happy to be here. Oh, and that pleasure is reciprocal. You know, we, we all delight in your presence. You're a wonderful influence on us. And um, so I guess I just want to start off by asking, how many years do you think it's been since we started yoga together? Wow. COVID messes up the time frame, but I think it's, Tamara, it must have been four years now. Was, was, that, was that about right? Because, yeah, yeah it, it's, it been, it's been four so. years. And trust me, I can do some things today I couldn't do four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's been four years, but it's been super uh, beneficial. It's, it's been, yeah, a great benefit to, to me. So is it fair to say that if it's, really uncomfortable in the beginning. If you just stick with it, it does um, manifest into a little bit of an easier process over time. Yes, yes, yes. It, it, like so much of life, if we just look at the beginning, uh, it, it, it's, it's more of a challenge. Uh, but you, as an instructor, have been such a, an encouragement, uh, have a way of guiding that moves me ahead with that hurting me too much uh oh, yeah yeah well, it's, it's been a you. great benefit it's you it's you who are so determined and you stay with it even in times of discomfort i've noticed that you just persevere and you just keep on going you do not allow yourself to to give in you just modify as needed and you continued and it's really it, you know we call our, our group calls him yoga dude and maybe you've seen him on my instagram because we're just all so enamored with carl because he's such a presence and he's such a force and um so this stretching the body and um and the mind and the spirit what are what are your thoughts after four years of this practice about how all that comes together at some point somehow it just hit me the idea of growth Growth is possible, physically, mentally, spiritually. I moved ahead tremendously as a result of being in, in, in the group. Um, and it's kind of like diet. Uh, I could, I don't go anymore, but I could spend my time at McDonald's eating what they, I, I could eat junk food all the time and expect great results, but it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> And likewise, when it comes to my spiritual life, uh, I've got to feed it and I've got to feed it good spiritual food in order to grow. And my yoga group, I feed myself 
good stretch yoga and I'm better at it. Uh, it, it, it does enhance life when we pr- practice is important. Amen. Practice is important. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is true. And in, in yoga, we always say it's uh, practice makes practice, right? There's no such thing as perfect in yoga because it's an ongoing evolutionary process. So it's we're always practicing. That's why we call it a yoga practice. Yes. Okay. Because we're always practicing. And we're not expecting to achieve anything. There's no goal, right? There's just a, an evolutionary process that we're always engaging in. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm just it's coming to mind. I mean, we talk about the physical side of it, uh, but there is definitely, for me, a spiritual side of it. Uh, there's number one, just the, the peace and the comfort when we go out on Sarasota Bay and I lay up and look at the sky when I'm doing yoga. I mean, oh. <laughs> such a great venue. But, Tamara, there are times when you speak in such. Uh, deep and picturesque language that you bring to life. I could take those examples and go and preach from the pulpit sometimes, but it's it's so great besides the physical part that you do bring in elements of it causes the mind to be stretched in good directions, in a good direction in terms of, you know, there's some growth taking place beyond the stretching. Well, you know, we try to incorporate more than stretching as instructors. You know, we've been uh, schooled through ancient practices and ancient wisdom of yoga. And, you know, I try to weave in some of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and some of the other, the Bhagavad Gita and some of the other texts without being too forceful, but just, you know, little innuendos here and there so that when we are stretching our muscles, maybe there's creating a little bit of a, a spaciousness in our consciousness also to allow ourselves to, you know, maybe entertain the possibility of a new thought, of a new practice or a new thought, because we do live in a Western culture, in a world where um, it's very different from some of the ancient teachings of yoga. So, and, and not that we expect for everybody to embrace it, but I always like to put it out there because if it resonates with any of us, including myself in that particular class or setting, um, it's wonderful. And certainly I've been graced with amazing teachers who have bestowed all of this to me. So this is not um, you know, anything that I'm pontificating yeah. Or fabricating on myself, but it's um, it, it you know it's just been part of my journey. So all those little tidbits that I try to weave in. I I think it's on topic what we're talking about because as a I, I'm also a self-proclaimed storyteller. I use stories in counseling. I use stories in preaching. I use I just stand up and tell stories. Mm. Uh, but the idea mm. of communicating truth it, it's through words. Uh, when I'm a preacher, somehow I've got to use. I'm hoping I can use words that hit right in the heart and transform. As a counselor, so mm. so from my professional perspective, I see things that you say and do. It, it it's growth producing. You know, it, it's causing people to. 
it caused people to expand. And, and, and I, I just can't say it enough. I say, wow, sometimes when you come out with some pieces of uh, <laughs> observations that really move things ahead. Well, it's, it is, yoga is so interesting. And, you know, we talk about yoga for the stretching of the body, the mind, and the spirit, right? So we can either open our consciousness and be a little bit more receptive and expansive, or we can be, you know, we can just continue to be narrow-minded. And, um, you know, I, I think our demographic, our age, I'm learning more now than maybe I was, well, I don't know, we're always continually learning, but it just feels like what I'm learning at this age and stage of my life is so much more exaggerated and more amplified and more fun. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. So, you know, here we are, we're still growing, we're still learning, we're still challenging ourselves mentally, physically. And, um, and then the spiritual component of it, I wanted to just run something by you in the yoga text of um, Patanjali, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. We have different sutras that are incorporated and woven into the practice. But I had an epiphany, I want to say in my late 20s, early 30s, after having done yoga for so many years. And I, I don't know if you know my story, but I used to have severe panic attacks. And, and through yoga, they just fell away. And I realized that there was the ability to, you know, stabilize and balance myself and have more harmony. And I had um, come from what they call an adult child of an alcoholic. I was an adult child of an alcoholic. So um, having grown up with um, alcoholism in the family, I knew that that was not something that I could ever do in my life. Uh, to calm myself because I saw how destructive the forces of, of it were. And so I found yoga and having gone through some of the programs just to try to understand the family situation and the dynamics of what I was going through and I, that I didn't understand, went to a program called um, ACOA. It was called the Adult oh, Children, Children of, of Alcoholics. Alcoholism. Yes. Yeah, so I went through that program and they would say, you know, um, in the, they would give you these steps and they would say and then just surrender surrender to um, a higher power and people would look at each other like what? What? <laughs> what the heck does that mean surrender to a higher power and I, was, and I would say to them well you know what I'm doing this I'm practicing yoga and we learn through the ancient principles and practices of yoga that there is something called Ishvara Pranadhara, which means, that's Sanskrit pronunciation, which means to surrender to the divine. And when you are practicing yoga and you're putting yourself through this whole practice, at the end of the practice you lay down, right? You do your shavasana and you lie on the ground and you close your eyes and you just allow your body to relax, you allow your mind to float, you, you know, you're not sleeping and you're not conscious. It's like we call it the twilight, somewhere in between, but it's that state of surrender. So through yoga, I said, you know, my gosh, we can start incorporating some of these programs into the 12 step programs by teaching this practice of surrendering to a higher power. Mm-hmm. 
And I started working with a number of people in the program. Some were in the ACOA program, some were in the Alcoholics Anonymous, it didn't matter. It was the same 12 steps and the same uh, principles from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. I was like, wow, this is amazing because they just synchronize together and one, you know, feeds the other. Where in, in program, people didn't understand what does that mean to surrender to a higher power. So yoga kind of, kind of taught the steps and t teaches how, how to surrender. So it wasn't so confusing. So interestingly enough, and I don't even know if you know this, but I started a foundation in New York and it was called Discover and Recover. And it, initially it was for the recovery, ACOA and the Alcoholics Anonymous and drug rehab. And I was working in a partial hospital and offering services to the community. Some, many of it was, much of it was volunteer, I should say. And um, so that was how Discover and Recover first formulated. And then it, it eventually took on another life of its own. I started getting calls from Buddhist nuns. She wanted me to come in and work with cancer patients. I'm like, well, okay, you're recovering from cancer. And then I got a call from a special ed teacher in a, uh, school district that was an underprivileged school district. There were gang shootings, teenage pregnancy. I mean, it was, you know, it was an underprivileged district. And I got a call to come in and work through the gym classes and particularly with the special needs uh, population. So I thought, well, okay, discover and recover. You know, we're discovering this and we're recovering from that situation. So discover and recover. Uh, well, its original intention mm -hmm. was for the substance abuse community. It evolved, and like everything does, and took on a life it's a, of its own. And, and hopefully some of those programs are still running today because they were implemented for a number of years. And um, So I don't know if you even know that about my beginning, uh, my background, and I was so passionate about um, merging the two. Um, you, and I don't think I've ever really talked about it on this podcast. <laughs> well, we've had a brief conversation during one of our yoga groups, and you mentioned something about having assisted people in, in, in recovery with what you were doing. Piqued my curiosity, uh, we didn't talk about it long, and I guess I'm being reminded right now that we, we've made these efforts to try and get together and share. We've never gotten together. I'm just looking forward to having a so long conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are. Um, Somewhere, Paul, who wrote in the Bible, says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He was talking about surrendering to a power much greater than himself and how much that advances us in terms of how we live here on earth. It's a sadness in my heart, that's why I do evangelism, to think about people who don't understand what we have when we have a higher power. And, and, and yeah, recovery is, is that's, I have a master's degree in counseling, but I learned so much about growth and change when I worked in the recovery community after I left graduate school because it's such a serious, get it off, serious problems that people, problem that people have and there is a method that can cause them to move ahead. Surrender is a big part of the process. It's a big part of the process. To, su to suggest that I have all this power 
and I don't have uh, so yes, yeah. it's a big part of uh, what I think should take place if somebody's going to do some real spiritual growth. The answers in many cases are outside of me, but I have to reach for them and get them inside of me, and then be able to live those out. I, I, so. So the yoga masters proclaim that it's important to have a healthy ego. But in many situations, we have over-exaggerated egos. So the whole idea in yoga of surrender also to the divine is to recognize that we only have the ability to do our very best and to try our hardest and to be a person of excellence. But at some point, release the outcome of whatever that is, whether it's a project that we're on at work mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. in our social life or in our family lives, whatever it is, we only have so much control over the outcome of what's going to happen. And um, so that's kind of one of the principles of yoga is learning to tame the ego so that it doesn't think that it's, um, it's the higher power. <laughs> and I think, so Well, the reason I'm mentioning this is because I realized over time that it's not just people in recovery from addiction. Every single person on the planet Thank you. would benefit from recognizing that pushing, prodding, manipulating cultivating, you know, trying to force things, you know, force a square peg into a round hole just for the sake of making something happen the way they want for it to happen usually results in suffering. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not usually a peaceful outcome. So when we learn this art of surrender, right? We learn how not just, you know, push, prod, force, control, manipulate, but just be a person of excellence. Do our very best and then let go of the rest and allow the divine to enlighten us. I'm, I'm with you, sister. I'm with you. Um, and, and, and I'm glad you went beyond the... It works in the recovery community, but it works everywhere where we can somehow what, understand our power. We do have some, but understand our limitations. We don't have that much. And to be able to, as you're suggesting, and when we talk about doing our best, hopefully we're living by those standards that we're not just taking care of ourselves, that we're doing something for humanity and mankind. Uh, but beyond what we do, then realizing that, yeah, that, that there's a divine creator. There's a divine controller. And to be able to get trust, put trust there and move along is important. And I'm so tuned in to this as a way of life that when, you know, when I meditate and when I have my prayer time, I mean, I, I think of meditation as clearing my mind. And um, I think of prayer as when I receive the answers because they all come back when you're quiet enough and you're clear enough and you get, and I think of my prayer as not asking for something, but receiving and and more often than not, you know, I'll pray that, 
yeah, I think I want this, and could you make this, you know, in my mind, maybe this would be the right situation or the right person or the right job opportunity or the right this, but please, if it's not, could you just please close those doors mm. for me? Mm. And I've learned how to ask for that kind of divine guidance so that I don't cross the threshold and go into, you know, the wrong, go behind the wrong door and um, repeat things that I, I probably shouldn't be repeating and no will not ultimately bring me joy. <laughs> well, might bring more suffering and go through another situation. So I just try to live by this divine flow oh. where I do my best and I offer my very best and then I just wait for guidance and I do ask for somehow I'm having thoughts about a, a flaw in my character uh, <laughs> being in touch with this higher power the divine people have various ways God Jesus Christ you know for me but being in touch with that power sometimes I can float through life and somehow he's nowhere in the picture I'm just kind of going through and all of a sudden something happens. Wow, I realize, how did he do that? And, and I shouldn't be surprised, but you're <laughs> floating through living life and all of a sudden, yeah. ain't no way that that could happen other than by the And you scratch your head, but the, 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 the idea is to hopefully we can, as you talk about your meditation, your time, your time with you know your higher power, but staying in touch in such a way that moment by moment, my responses during the course of my life is always going to be from that perspective versus I floated away. I'm just kind of going to the grocery store. Somebody says something wrong. I might get mad as opposed to divine power that would give me a chance to be calm and smile. But that kind of thing. I have those sensations. Of, How did you do that? As if he ain't doing everything in the world for me all the time. Isn't it interesting? All the time. Isn't it interesting? So that's that's really my favorite um, sutra is the Ishvara Prana Dahara is surrender. Surrendering to a you know a higher power, surrendering to the divine, surrendering to that creative force and um, and just trusting and having faith. Yeah. Really, you know, instead of um, trying to use my ego to force things to happen, but really just living um, by faith. In fact, folks, I want you all to know that it's so wonderful to be in Tamara's presence because she smiles all the time. In fact, she sometimes stops me and says, Carl, smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the challenge of the pose, you know, we sometimes turn the lips upside down. So we have to remember to yeah. turn them right side up and smile through yeah. a little bit of the discomfort. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, yes. Yeah. Well, is there anything more that you'd like to share with today's listeners? Because you're, you're such a wonderful just, inspiration. Just to, I don't know how to put this, but really the, 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 the mind, they talk about the heart and the mind. Uh, uh, we talk about food. We were talking about food earlier, junk food, feeding your, feeding your heart good food that is in there. And the soul food. The soul food. <laughs> but the idea of somehow managing the thought process, managing our thinking in such a way that the right outcomes come. I, I, I told you about the fast I did, and one of the things, I, I fasted for 10 days, 
I've done that before, but at any rate, one of the things that came out of it was, it was so refreshing to find myself thinking about my thinking. I didn't, we go through life and we do a million Wait things a, minute. a day. Let's stop for a minute. You fasted not only food-wise, but you turned off electronics. No TV, no, TV. no sweet, yeah, yeah, no, no so, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah so let's yeah. really elaborate on what that, well, I, what that I, looked like. I, 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 Attempted a fast where I was going to eat no meats, no sweets, and uh, no TV, but some sweets popped in there somewhere and some meat popped in. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I turned it all off, but no food. I just had water and wanted to just focus on the things of, of God. And in the process, other experiences happened too, but one of the most enjoyable things was I could not think without thinking about my thoughts and the realization that we are on autopilot. We get up in the morning, we think about getting a cigarette, a pill, or go to the bathroom, whatever we do, and we can just get to going in the course of our day. But in the process of me doing what I was doing, my thoughts were constantly, in other words, I was modifying my thoughts if they didn't go in the right direction. Oh. Uh, I don't want to call it self-control as much as I didn't just, I wasn't on autopilot. I was on a process of thinking and you were and, elevating your consciousness. Yes, yes. It it, it was it was wonderful. Uh, I suppose I could get easily away from that, but to realize how important that is. That if I can control it then we don't act without thinking. And if I control thinking, my yeah. actions are A okay. So uh but that was that was just <laughs> uplifting to have that happen. So thank you for sharing that. That is so meaningful. Because when we talk about meditation, the art and the skill of meditation, it is described exactly as that. It's becoming the witness of the thoughts, non-judgmentally. But when you can step outside of your own mind and become that observer or that witness of the thoughts, that's when you're meditating is when you're when you're cultivated that skill and the ability to do that and when you see um, from the outside looking in it's a whole different perspective something I've experienced at being an astute self-observer to, to, to watch yourself to observe yourself it's just it gives you so much more uh, ability to do things in a great fashion, but observing, don't do it all the time, but I've had that experience of observing myself and yeah. it causes you to be much more intentional, much more um, in the direction that you want to go. Oh, yes. And we have a name for that too. Do you want to know what that's called? One of those words I won't remember, but go ahead. <laughs> so you just mentioned self-study. That is another sutra okay. in the Yoga Sutras. And um, self-study is um, just as important as meditation and just as important as observing our thoughts. Um, everything that we bring from these ancient practices um, from time to time make little dents in our daily lives. Right? So this self-study, the Sanskrit word is shvadyaha. Okay. Right? Right? So sometimes they 
go hand in hand. And it sounds like the, the experience that you had when you, you intentionally decided to become very conscious and do this, um, what I would call a silent retreat and, you know, let myself not be engaged in, you know, all the activities of the electronics and this and that, but I would just go inward and um, be in silence and be, you know, be the observer or the witness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Shvadaraya or self-study is kind of accompanied with that. And um, so that's a beautiful thing. I'm really glad you brought that point out. Thank you. Somewhere in the Bible, Paul says, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are praiseworthy. And he was saying, control your thoughts. That's what all the masters. Control your thoughts. That's what all the ancient masters um, have all said. That's what the scriptures from the Bible say, from the Quran, from, from everywhere. It's like, it's a universal principle. News is on the TV. People watch all kind of news. They don't control the, whatever they say. They but Control your thoughts. I mean, you don't get absorbed in things that sometimes are, well, they're important, but it may not be the most important thing. Uh, that there is. Well, if we don't have control over our thoughts, who does? Who's controlling our thoughts? Uh, those guys. Out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, who wants to live as a puppet, you know, being manipulated or controlled in thought, word, and deed? So many folks need to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's interesting times, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we're saturated and absorbed by so much. That's why, you know, having a, a, a little bit of a balance in just how much we're taking in mm -hmm. and what, what's ours and what's being fed to us. But I don't want to take up any more of your time today. I truly am so grateful that you took time to share with us today. And um, as always, I thank our listeners for tuning in to the Yoga Coach Podcast. And as always, we want to find peace and joy in our journey. And may life treat us all with kindness. May we live a joyful, purposeful, peaceful, and a happy life. And above all, may we all live in the universal force and flow of love. Namaste. 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 And thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Back at you. Thank you. Namaste. <laughs>